evening and welcome to this week's Resistance TV broadcast. Tonight we're looking at the Labour Party's extraordinary decision to appoint a former spy to work in Keir Starmer's office to help run the party's social media output. His name's Asif Kaplan and he worked for Israeli military intelligence for nearly five years in its cyber warfare branch known as Unit 8200, which specialises in spying, hacking and encryption. So what exactly does Keir Starmer want with an ex-spy, you might ask yourself? To help us answer that question, we're joined this evening by Asa Winstanley, who broke the story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Asa's an investigative journalist and the associate editor for the Electronic Intifada. So Asa, tell us, what's going on? Well, yeah, as you said, the this person, uh, Asaf Kaplan, advertised on his online cv that he was uh as he put it a unit 8200 veteran on a profile of a former employer uh unit 8200 is as you said a unit of israel's military intelligence and it's uh you know according to reports it's quite a large organization it uh, sort of churns out these uh, high technology spies really from the young uh, from young recruits uh, into the Israeli army um, and they specialize in hacking uh, and other kinds of cybercrime and their their main purpose of this unit is was part of Israeli military intelligence uh, as you would expect it's uh, not it's offensive you know it's not just um, spying i mean I, I called him an israeli spy a former israeli spy in the article um but uh you know it, spying doesn't quite cover the whole gamut of what intelligence agencies do you know it involves active measures doesn't it, it involves sabotage and uh, all kinds of different offensive operations so what you 200 does is it, and we know this from whistleblowers from the unit itself, it carries out mass surveillance on the Palestinian population. It carries out um, what one of the whistleblowers called, I forget the exact phrase, but um, they called it Israel's big brother. So they, they're not just spying on and observing and, and gaining intelligence on what they would classify as Palestinian terrorists and what I would call Palestinian resistance fighters. Um, it's not just that. It's, it's, uh, it's all kinds. The, their targets are all kinds of Palestinians, not just activists or resistance fighters, but just normal members of the public, of the Palestinian population living under occupation in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Uh, they are it, it, the as the whistleblower showed unit 8200 likes it's it's it um it targets palestinians for blackmail so it it snoops on all elements of their lives on palestinian life so one of the main examples that was came out in these in this what it was was a, as an open letter that was written to the guardian uh, by a, a group of i think it was 43 uh, eight, unit 8200, former unit 8200 spies. And they came out with all these different testimonies. Uh, and they said that, um, you know, if the examples they gave of any private information, any embarrassing information, any personal um, secrets or, you know, just personal details that can be used as leverage to blackmail Palestinians in order to coerce them into becoming um, informers or uh, otherwise cooperating with the Israeli occupation authorities is used and leveraged. So, for example, you know, if they, they, they may find out that your aunt needs treatment, you know, needs some kind of specialist treatment, uh, outside of the West Bank, you know, perhaps in Jordan or within so-called Israel proper, um, then that can be used as leverage that they can say, well, we will offer you this treatment um, if you cooperate with us. Um, or, for example, if someone's having an extramarital affair or it, it perhaps is 
is gay and you know hasn't come out to their family um these kind of things are all all used for the purposes of blackmail so in authorities response to uh, this this unit i mean how, how, what are they what do they have to say about it in terms of how they operate against the palestinian people i mean um well i mean the palestinian authority is no doubt targeted by this as well um but mm. i haven't seen that they've ever had any particular response to it i mean but that would be unsurprising considering that the the palestinian authority is actually an extension of the israeli occupation really it's it's a um it's essentially a puppet entity which works on behalf of the israel works on furthering the israeli occupation you know it's uh it most of its budget is given over to um so-called policing activities and the palestinian authorities armed forces um they uh their only role is to um suppress palestinian dissent uh is to suppress palestinian activism against israeli occupation um and uh you know when when there's any threat that they the palestinian authority is going to deviate from that they're then brought into line as we saw in 2006 you know yeah. when there was a coup against hamas as the uh, elected leaders of the palestinian authority yeah. um so you know uh but yeah no doubt it's still you know 8200 spies on them too but yeah. uh, I, I think it's it's an indication of um where the labor party is going i think that kiss Dahmer's office would hire someone like yeah. this well now i was going to come on to that but i mean it's quite a scoop that you uh, that you managed to get there and uh, i mean how how did you find out this information did you just chance by it I can't really reveal my sources, oh, but sorry, I... it's okay. <laughs> but introduce you as an as an investigative uh, journalist, so it's part of your investigative uh, uh, role then that that you came across that. But I mean, it is a big story though, Acer, and um, you know, there's been very little um, coverage, if any, I think, in the in the corporate uh, press. Have you seen any coverage outside of uh, you know outlets like the the Canary, obviously? your own and so on, who actually broke it at the electronic interfather but but what other news outlets if any have covered this issue yeah you're right it hasn't received any coverage in what we would call the corporate press the only uh daily newspaper to have reported it was of course the morning star which yes. um which you know provides very good uh critical coverage of a, a wide range of issues and they they did some good follow-up on it uh, yeah. But no, no, that th none of the corporate press has, has reported it in any way. Uh, but as you, your viewers may have seen, and I tweeted about um, a week or so ago, um, I was reliably informed that uh, one Guardian reporter did actually want to cover the story. And uh, the Guardian reporter was essentially stonewalled by the Labour Party and then when they sort of pressed on and persisted and said well they're gonna pub they're gonna write something about it anyway um the the labor party spokespeople spin doctors whoever it was then appealed over the head of the reporter to the editor in question at the guardian and since then since i learned about this there's been no story about this in the guardian so you know you can draw your draw your own conclusions from that um I, I, you know i was told the name of the reporter who right who 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 wants who wanted to do the story but i mean I, i'm not going to reveal that because i don't <laughs> i don't want yeah, no i'll ask that comment but i mean can you imagine though the furore that there would be or would have been had jeremy corbyn appointed a ex-spy to work in his office i mean you may remember i think we might have a, have a headline of some of the ridiculous lurid uh, headlines that were being run a couple of three years ago an invented story actually about uh, senior labor figures taking um, uh, money from the czech authorities they were czech spies and collaborating with with, with the with the czech uh, government i mean it's During incredible the Cold War. how the difference in approach and you kind of in a way i think the fact that there's been a kind of a media blackout over this story virtually 
is just another indication of the media bias because we saw that uh, example a few years ago, these hysterical headlines, made up headlines, uh, against a real story and it's a media blackout. I mean, <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, what, you know, what, should, what should we be doing about that? I mean, where can we go to, to, to challenge this sort of uh, lack of reporting as well as the, the bias reporting that you often see as well? Yeah, you're right. It's a really stark example of the media hatred of Jeremy Corbyn, really, and what he stood for. And I think, more importantly, hatred of the movement that was behind Jeremy Corbyn. Like the, the, there was a kind of democratic uprising for a few years in the Labour Party, you know, and there was um, a threat to <laughs> to established elites. And The Guardian really was, The Guardian was the main, in my view, was the worst. Like it was the main, it was the main newspaper leading the the fanatical campaign against Jeremy Corbyn, especially on the issue of fabricated anti-Semitism. I mean, I, no paper did more to take part in the anti-Semitism smear campaign against Corbyn and against the movement. Uh, than the Guardian. So the fact that the Guardian uh, suppressed this story, Guardian's editors apparently suppressed this story, is absolutely no surprise to me. Uh, it's only a surprise that there was a, a, a journalist left at the Guardian who was willing, apparently willing to try at least try and pursue the story. No, uh, but what this what this journalist was told by the Labour Party was that simply, oh, it's a, you know, it's not a reliable source, um, and. Uh, something along the lines of, oh, this is a non-story, you shouldn't be covering it. So they didn't deny it. They didn't no. deny that it was true because it is true, you know. And um, I mean, I said I can't reveal my sources and I can't, but I did. I mean, I, I you know, received information about this and, uh, you know, I confirmed it independently, you know. Yeah. So it, it, um, it is absolutely true. And the fact that it hasn't been denied um, speaks for itself, really. It's interesting, isn't it, that, uh, you know, a real genuine non-story, they run non-stories, you know, invented stories, and then a real story, they actually accept that it's a non-story and don't run it. But I was looking at his, um, at the, well, it was in your article, I think, actually, uh, Acer, uh, what this guy's job um, is going to entail. And uh, it's a new one on me, but apparently it's something which uh, some of the corporate uh, outfits are are now doing and it's this thing called social listening can you just unpack that yeah. all of that and what's a what's a spy or an ex-spy going to be doing i mean i think i characterize it is, is he going to be surveilling the labor party membership to weed out yet more um if there are any left socialists that are still inside the labor party and pro-palestinians yeah it's a good question i mean we, we that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question as it were um but uh, I guess for inflation, we should like call it the $64 million question. Um, the, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, social listening. This was a new one on me as well. Like, the, it just sounds like sh stupid corporate jargon. But I mean, at the same time, no doubt to Labour members, remaining Labour members, it certainly has a sinister ring to it you know when we consider the last six years of defamation against the labor party uh membership against uh, left-wing um mps like jeremy corbyn um and the relentless purging of the labor party in the last year by keir starmer and his cronies um of any semblance of uh criticism of israel of any semblance of support for Corbyn of, you know, remaining leftists who won't kind of toe the line. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 with so many Labour Party members being, I mean, just today I was seeing a couple of new videos by this um, group of, uh, I don't know, I guess you'd call them video activists, just Jews putting out videos of, uh, you know, they've they've done some really good videos of Jewish members of the Labour Party talking about their experiences in the Labour Party um, of, um, you know, say essentially saying that this is 
whole this is to me is basically that um, saying they feel comfortable in the Labour Party and that Corbyn has been supportive of them as Labour members and that the abuse that they've received has actually come from uh, pro-Israel activists, from Zionists, from uh, from the right of the party, essentially. Um, Diana Nelson, you know, a long, uh, you know, a Jewish woman in her 80s, like a veteran of the Palestine Solidarity Movement in this country, is now being investigated for quote-unquote anti-Semitism. You know, it's, it, it's disgusting, it's ridiculous, it's, it's appalling. And you do wonder what role um, Asaf Kaplan may have played in, in um, some of this. You know, we do want, what, what, does, what do they mean by social listening? Mm. So uh, according to the job description that was still online, um, last I checked, the Labour Party job description, it said that um, his role would be to um, essentially to, as they would see it, protect the brand of the Labour Party. You know, um, I've got it here actually. So in his in his in his job description, it says that his specific responsibilities are to um, challenge, broadcast, focus, social media approach to focus on authentic, organic advocacy across the internet. Combine machine learning and human analysis to map the social landscapes of those we need to win over. Lead on challenging disinformation online and empowering our leaders, members and supporters to be equipped with it effectively. Mm. So, you know, I mean, that sounds like um, it's like trying to get a specific message about the Labour Party mm. online. Uh, Do you think it's going to uh, have an effect in relation to Keir Starmer's and indeed his leading team's support for Zionism and, and move the party even further in that direction and, and you know, as it were, weed out? the pro-Palestinian voices that remain in the party. I mean, it's a quite a worrying trend, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's very worrying. And yes, it will continue the Labour Party further down this uh, deadly road, really, in all senses of the word, like morally and even practically, you know. Um, it, it, it will continue. Like, as you alluded to, Keir Starmer, during the leadership election campaign, described himself as a supporter of Zionism without qualification. You know, those were his words. You know, that's not Asa Winstanley characterizing no. him. That was his words, uh, saying that he supports Zionism without qualification. You know, none of this, none of this is rubbish about saying, oh, well, there's different forms of Zionism and, you know, there is blah, 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 and all this kinds of stuff, which I, I don't buy in any case but it, it did there was not even any pretense of that it was just Zionism without qualification I mean that sounds like it's supporting Israel right or wrong no matter is supporting Israel no matter what it does um, and so therefore um, in some respects this move by his office to bring in a former Israeli intelligence uh, officer according to his own testimony um, you know, it's kind of inevitable in a way, but it, it's like the story when I first learned about this, I mean, I was kind of excited because it's a great story, but it was, I, I'm not going to lie. I found it a bit intimidating. I mean, I'm not in the Labour Party anymore, but it's kind of thing that I couldn't have made up, you know, if I was writing, um, a movie script or something that, um, to kind of retell the story of the fabricated labor anti-semitism crisis this is a, a this this was this story is like a joke that you would make up between friends about oh what could Keir Starmer do next you know <laughs> a hire a former Israeli spy to you know yeah, purge the labor party <laughs> you know it's, it's, but but it, it happened and it's it you're ridiculous AC you're exaggerating that yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 uh it's bizarre it's bizarre. I mean, I guess what he's doing, uh, part, look, I mean, he's, he's, we know for sure he's working on the Labour Party social media, right? That's, that's what the job description says. Monitoring the so social listening, monitoring the social media conversation about um, the Labour Party uh, online. 
now so then the next question becomes that what what is then done with it and what is he doing with it and the 64 million dollar question in my view is is simply what is asaf kaplan's connections on what are asaf kaplan's ongoing connections to israeli intelligence you know well, we know really that is it though way so i mean the party's been pretty ruthless since like in fact, even before Starmer came on the scene, they were pretty ruthless in in ejecting people who they felt didn't actually, you know, toe the line in relation to uh, the bogus anti-Semitism uh, uh, crisis, and uh, you know, people that had been very uh, outspoken in their support for the Palestinians. Um, I mean, this guy obviously with his background, I just wonder. And particularly with this reference to social listening, is that, do you think, going to make them, you know, perhaps more effective at, 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 um, at rooting people out or, or not? I mean, I don't know how many more people are left to go, I just wonder. But, I mean, it seems they're not, they're not relenting, are they? No, no. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, I wonder. I wonder how effective it will make them. Um, but, uh, I mean, as insidious as this is, I will say that, in my view, Israeli intelligence, uh, it, Israeli intelligence agencies' opinion of themselves, in my view, is quite often, um, I want, let's say, exaggerated. Um, now, I don't want to overplay it. Obviously, you know, this this is a um, this is a state with billions of dollars for you know some four billion dollars in military aid from the united states every year alone right so all that money goes somewhere you know and these the the, the israeli state has several um extremely well-funded resourced uh, intelligence organizations um, as we've described unit 8200 has been involved in uh, all sorts of crimes around the world uh, and uh, well, as I, I mean, I, I mentioned the Palestinian population, but Unit Eighty Two Hundred has has been carrying out crimes uh, all around the world, you know. And this is this is an organisation really which is has been involved in the foundation of private Israeli security, so-called security firms, so-called intelligence firms, uh, which have carried out crimes in the US and no doubt in the UK as well. Uh, organisations like uh, NSO Group. Um, which you know created this spyware which can hijack a target's phone, take over the microphone, you know, intercept emails, passwords, everything on your phone basically if you're targeted with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 you know, that's come out in various reporting over the last few years. Um, and also Black Cube, an organization, excuse me, which um was hired by Harvey Weinstein, the convicted Hollywood rapist. Um, when he wanted to uh, target his victims for intimidation and spying, um, he hired this group, Black Cube. And these are these organizations and others, lots of others, and pr probably some we don't know about, um, were founded by or created or otherwise run with the involvement of Unit 8200 veterans. So it's kind of a factory that churns out these high-tech spies, which are used to then um, uh, sell these kind of uh, nefarious operations around the world. Um, I, I think that um, we have to ask, like, I think there's still a lot we don't know about the Corbyn years and how, these, how the Israeli state targeted um, the Labour Party, targeted Jeremy Corbyn uh, and all these kind of things. We, I, I mean... Look, it was a long time ago that this man was in Unit 8200, right? But since then, we know from his own CV, he's been involved in a series of different organizations which are close to the state of Israel. Uh, and the latest of those was the Israeli Labour Party, you know, which was for decades the party of government in Israel when it was carrying out its worst crimes against the Palestinians, including the occupation of 1967. Uh, the the ethnic cleansing of 1948, you know, the Israeli Labour Party, or you know, in in various different names, 
was the the party of government in Israel at the time. So you know, this is not a progressive organization. You know, this this is a, an imperialist, racist organization, um, which has a, a more slick media operation than the more brazen Likud party. Mm. I mean, some people have said to me, it's, it, it, it looks, it smacks of state capture of the Labour Party. I mean, and it was kind of moving in that direction anyway. This is just the latest iteration of that. I mean, and you've written, haven't you, about the role of the so-called Jewish Labour Movement and its connections with the Israeli embassy. Say a little bit about that and how do you think that links into this latest development with this Asif Kaplan's appointment? Yeah, I mean, I I think that would be a fairly accurate way to describe it. I mean, it, 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 there's, again, I mean, I, I couldn't have made this story up, but I wonder what in thirty years time is gonna is gonna come out from yeah. the uh, uh, British uh, deep state intelligence sources in you know in the freedom of information uh, releases and so forth if such laws still exist in 30 years time um but the, it, it, i i really wonder the kind of things that are are going to come out uh, i mean but we could it's the results are plain to see you know the most left-wing leader that the labor party uh, in this country ever had was deposed after a five-year campaign of smears and defamation uh, and is now in the hands of a former, the former chief public prosecutor, you know, <laughs> who, who was um, British chief prosecutor when uh, Julian Assange was being targeted, uh, the, 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 the most key phase of the British state targeting of Julian Assange. Um, so, uh, you know, that says it all really. And, you know, as, as we speak now, the Labour Party is just unveiled in a supposed leak, which is very obviously not a leak, but just a release to the Guardian that they have this new strategy of, uh, basically waving the British flag and putting on a suit, <laughs> you know, not that there's anything wrong with wearing suits. <laughs> But like just just this weird um, vacant stuff without any policies in it, um, you know. Well, I, mean, this... I think we've been there. We've been around this block before. And uh, when Tony Blair came to the ascendancy, uh, there was a move in that direction. Then everybody wearing a, a tie and a suit and everything like that. Although interesting, when yeah, his presentation over Gary substance used to wear a suit and he was well dressed. I mean, he got criticised for that. So if you if you're well dressed and on the left, you get criticised, exactly. you know. But if you're if you're on the right, it's okay. Or if you're if you're dressed casually, or some might say scruffily uh, on the left, then then you get criticised. But again, if, if if you're on the right of wing of the of the party, that seems to be okay, as it were. Um, but yeah. what, what do you think uh, though, in terms of Labour's uh, foreign policy? Um, positioning now I, I mean again linking it back to this appointment here um and uh, obviously the demise of the the corbyn project i mean where do you see the labor party going for in foreign policy terms specifically explicitly in relation to palestine but more generally uh, in terms of supporting liberation struggles and progressive struggles around the world what's your thoughts on that uh, in a word to the right well, that's three words, but <laughs> you, you get my point. Um, yeah. I I think that um, I think that in retrospect, the Corbyn years now look like an aberration in the Labour Party's history, um, and the Labour Party is now going back to its sort of perennial role of um, propping up the British state. And its reactionary policies around the world, its imperialist policies around the world, as depressing as that is, you know, all of us, so many of us had hopes that it would be different this time, um, but it's not proven to be the case. Um, I do think. You, that it, do you think it would have been possible to secure a different outcome, or do you think the way it went was inevitable? It wasn't inevitable. No way. Yeah. It, it, yes. Yes. It would have been possible. And. We've seen that. I mean, as you know, with um, Ken Livingstone, you know, in his recent videos announcing his um, legal action against the EHRC for its, in my view, defamation of Ken Livingstone as anti-Semitic, um, although it's not a defamation case. Um, 
uh, but he's taking legal action against the HRC's reports and a judicial review. Um, in that video, Ken Livingston, you know, who's um, he's getting on now, but he's, he made a very astute analysis of the Corbyn years, and which, in my view, was completely correct, where he said that the problem with Jeremy Corbyn is that he was too nice and that uh, in politics you have to be ruthless sometimes. And I, I interviewed Ken a few months ago, you know, in a, during a break in the lockdown, um, and... Um, he said said a similar thing to me like that um when he came in in when he was elected mayor of london in city hall he came in and he had a clear out you know he he fired people um and uh, because and the reason for that is because these are political appointments you can't just be sort of soft left namby pamby hippish about it and say oh well we can't fire workers these are political appointments if you've got if you've got people in your head office working against you tirelessly day and night, um, as Peter Mandelson put it, talking about Corbyn, um, then you're not going to succeed. And unfortunately, um, Jeremy Corbyn was far too uh, Tolstoy and he should have been a lot more Lenin. You know, he should, he, he, he like Ken said, he was, he was too nice, but he should have had a, a clear out at Labour Party headquarters from the beginning. Um, he should have brought his MPs into line. You know, he should have supported you. He should have supported Ken Livingstone. He should have said, "It um, there's a major, the, one of the worst own goals in my view was January 2017, the Al Jazeera uh, investigation, the Al Jazeera uh, series, uh, the lobby, which exposed all these. Uh, uh, you, you asked me about it before, but I um, rambled off the subject a bit, but it exposed uh, the Israel lobby in the Labour Party, the the Labour Friends of Israel and the Jewish Labour Movement, their their activities on behalf of a hostile foreign power, the State of Israel, right? Uh, on on behalf of that power within the Labour Party, exposed their activities. What did Jeremy Corbyn do? Nothing really, you know. There was there was a con there was a statement by him and by Emily Thornbury, and there was a condemnation saying the government should investigate. But they they didn't do anything about it, you know. They didn't capitalize on that. They could have, you know. So no, it wasn't inevitable, uh, and there didn't seem to be any. Um, there didn't seem to be any political will for the fight. I mean, look, I'm sure Jeremy Corbyn was in a very difficult position and it's easy for me to sort of sit here and say he should have done this and should have done that. But he should have, you know, he really should have. There was there was things that he could have that he could have done and that he didn't do. Any, anybody else, though? I mean, because obviously it's quite a lot to put on one person's shoulder that the, you know, the, the, the failure of the Corbyn project entirely down to Jeremy. I mean, no. there, were, there were other colleagues um supporters oh yeah oh yeah like the like, campaign group the people in the yeah. office etc i mean do all they of them <laughs> like they were all useless let's not let's not mince words they were all useless i mean you were the only mp chris who said this is a smear campaign you know and you at, at first you were very um diplomatic about it you know um, I, I remember the, seeing the Guardian interview with you when you first came in in 2017. You know, you'd been in Parliament before, but you, you came back in in the, in the 2017 election. Um, and it was really just a paragraph or two towards the end of that interview where you were asked about so-called anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And you said something along the lines of, um, well, you know, I'm not saying it never happens, but in my view, this is, this is um, mostly a smear campaign and it's mostly you know just a dirty trick being used against corbyn the, the interview itself didn't make that much um splash particularly at the time but the israel lobby groups they marked your card from there you know uh, the 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 jewish labor movement labor friends of israel especially board of deputies and all the rest uh, and they relentlessly pursued you till they got their man as it were um and um and that was because you were willing to speak out and, and the problem was there's there's this an ordinary amount of fear and also political cowardice on the issue by far too many people um, on the Labour Party left really that um, 
they 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 don't want to rock the boat and they don't want to if the thing, the, the thing is if they had stood up and said something um there was nothing they could have done really all they have to be told is no you know and we saw that with jenny formby really because she she um uh, at a certain point before she became general secretary of the labor party and um got with the program and became one of the witch hunters um she was attacked by uh when she when she was you know uh working for unite um she was attacked uh by the israel lobby for pointing out that janet royal had been on a labor friends of israel trip and that was she really the best person to be investigating what happened Oxford mm -hmm. University when she had this association. Um, that seems to be the sort of start of things, really, from my recollection. The mm. accusations against the Oxford University Labour Club, I think that was in about 20... I know there have been some ripples before that. In fact, even when Ed Miliband, indeed, going back before that. So it's been an issue, it's been bubbling away. But it kind of really kind of uh, broke through uh, when that Oxford University yeah. Labour Club controversy um hit the fan and I mean, what do you think to respond to that i mean my reaction was that, again it was over response it was an over response it should have said get lost in my opinion get lost there is yeah. this overblown and you're weaponizing this issue go away yeah. that was ground zero you're right the oxford university labor club february 2016 that was ground zero of the fabricated labor anti-semitism crisis this is what we still don't um get like this is what a lot of people still don't get understand and uh, are forgetting that was the beginning of it that's where that's where it blew up and that is important and i wrote about this in an article last year where i managed to attain a, an important document um yes you're right before there had been it had been an issue before then you know even before corwin became leader as you said ed Miliband, there were, th there were things happening there when corbyn was running to be leader of the Labour Party in the summer of 2015, you know, they brought up this stuff about trying to tar him by association and um, by attacking Rad Salah as Palestinian political leader that Corbyn had um, supported, uh, called for his freedom and so forth. Um, all, all this kind of stuff by association. Yes, it'd be an issue. But what happened in February 2016 at Oxford University Labour Club was really the start of um an assault on not just corbyn but corbyn as the leader of a movement and to attack the 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 popular movement behind corbyn within the labor party as systemically racist as anti-semitic and the reason why that's important is because we now know and this is what i wrote about in this article last year um there was the we now know that the there was this report you know there was all these headlines about um, supposed anti-Semitism in the Oxford University Labour Club. And it was a major story. You know, it was a national story. It was an international story. Um, Roger Cohen wrote about it in his column in the New York Times. You know, it was a major international story. Oh, isn't it terrible? Uh, this venerable uh, institution has become a, a racist uh, institution in, the, in, the, in a racist Labour Party, which has a long tradition of anti-racism, which is not true anyway, the Labour Party. Um, has had a lot of racism in its history. Um, but um, so but we now know that this uh, work, this this whole thing came about because of a report by somebody who turned out to uh, be uh, a, a close associate of, of Shai, Mas Shai Masot. That it was there was a report when the, all these uh, anti-Semitism anti allegations were were um, alleged at Oxford University, Labour students, this right-wing organisation that was later disbanded, um, announced a report into uh, announced an investigation into these allegations, um, and it, it it did produce a report, but the report was never published and it was buried by the Labour Party. I managed to obtain the report. Um, I didn't publish it because it's a libelous document essentially you know it was full of disinformation uh, and smears and lies against the labor party left at oxford university you know people who were close to uh, who, who who were perceived as close to um 
Jeremy Corbyn, uh, who were involved in the pro-Corbyn campaign at Oxford University, were smeared. And in this document, they were not just smeared, but there was fabrications. You know, there was actual fake quotes being anti-Semitic quotes, but they were faked, putting in being put into some people's mouths. Uh, and this whole thing was written by Michael Rubin. Mm. Michael Rubin is now the director of Labour Friends of Israel. Right. So and he's in the Al Jazeera documentary saying, oh, yeah, I knew Shai. We we did a couple of things together when I was chair of Labour students. So what were those couple of things? You know, this is a question I put to Michael Rubin, but he refuses to. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he ignores my emails. Fine. But then, you know, we're left to draw our own confusion, our own conclusions. Yeah. What were those couple of things? Uh, Michael Rubin, now the director of Labour Friends of Israel, who wrote this report, what were those couple of things he was doing with Shai Massot, who was a spy for the Israeli government? Um, what was what was that? And, you know, it's it's very, I mean, there's a lot of unanswered length. questions. Your arm's length then. I mean, Shai Massot was, uh, yes, working with people like uh, Rubin, uh, but it was arm's length. But now we've got somebody right in the heart. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. it, it's kind of astonishing. They're cutting out the middle, man. Traveled, yeah, absolutely. What would your advice before we go to Sean see what people are, are saying who've been watching our discussion? What, what, what would you suggest that the response should be from people who are still in the Labour Party to this latest development? Because there is a climate of fear that you've mentioned. People are mm. scared, fearful about speaking out. Do you think? I mean, what do you, what, what do you think they should do? I mean, should should they speak out or what? What or leave? I mean, what do they do? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, all of the above, I suppose. I, I mean, look, I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. I'm always a bit reluctant to give people prescriptions of, of what to do. But personally, I don't really see any hope in the Labour Party. Um, I do think people inside the Labour Party should um, resist by all means necessary. Um, you know, politically, um, what this what what that means in practice i think will vary from person to person but i do think that the corbyn years have shown that like the labor party i mean yeah state capture it is state capture by the by the british state and to to an extent by the israeli state you know I mean, I think um, in that assertion and that the, 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 some people have put to me that the labor party is is, is has been captured well i think by, by both really i mean i think they were they were putting it to me that it's the israeli state these aren't conspiracy theories either these are people are kind of level-headed yeah i mean it's both like right because the british deep state and the israeli deep state are allies right so they 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 work together so um but they also spy on each other you know right so um britain israel is considered to be an ally of britain but in reality if if you read the corporate press, they call Israel an ally of Britain, like in America they call um, Israel an ally of the US. But what does that really mean? In reality, Israel is a hostile foreign entity which is um, carrying out aggressive spying operations on the US, and and that's on the record. You know, we know like for um, British uh, American in, uh, intelligence officials um, consider. It's it's very well established that they consider Israel to be the top counterintelligence threat. You know, up up there with official enemies like China and Iran, Israel is considered to be one of the top threats to to U.S. Um, counterintelligence officers. And we know that from uh, only the most high profile case of Jonathan Pollard, who only the, you know last month returned. Well, he he'd never been to Israel. He's, he's uh, uh, um. Had he been to Israel? Well, he'd never lived in Israel. He was an American citizen, um, but he spied for Israel. Um, he was he was a U.S. naval intelligence officer who then sold top secret documents to Israel uh, in, in exchange for cash, literally cash stuffed into envelopes, as well as a diamond ring for his then fiance and, and various other uh, perks. Um, he he, you know, betrayed his own country for Israel. And he was recruited by a Mossad agent who, who Trump, in one of his last act, Trump pardoned him. The, the Mossad agent fled before Pollard was arrested. And we know that this still goes on because um, the Israelis then later spied on the, um, the US uh, at European negotiations with Iran. 
which involved the British too. Yeah. You know, um, uh, the British record in Iran is 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 a, is a very uh, shameful record. Uh, I mean, you think about uh, Mossadegh and its involvement. Right. Right. Yeah. And 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 the uh, the you know the 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 negotiations over the um, the to persuade Iran to end its nuclear energy program at, mm. at the threat of being you know further sanctioned and so forth. Israel spied on those negotiations because it didn't want them to go ahead. Mm. And as we know, mm. Trump then later um, yeah. overturned them. Um, and even there was a, even a report, um, I think it was last year or the year before, that um, the Israelis sought to spy on President Trump's phone calls. You know, they were caught by U.S. intelligence officials um, setting up uh, phone mass interception towers near the White House. Um, so... Um, you know, you have to be naive to think that that Israel is not spying on, on yeah. the UK too. No, indeed, and um, and it's a curious state of affairs with the US because I mean they they are they are big benefactors, aren't they, to the to Israel? But you know, talk about biting the hand that feeds you, I suppose. Let's move yeah. to, uh, to 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 bring Sean in, see what uh, audience reaction has been, and I should just say it's Sean's birthday today, as you can see on screen there. And uh, she's spending it in a, in a perfect, ideal way on uh, Resistance TV with uh, Asa Winstanley and our wonderful audience. So what have people been saying, Sean? Hello, oh, there can we you go. hear me? Yes. You were talking into the void there. Did you, could you hear us? Wishing you very many happy yeah, we can, I can hear you. Yeah, I was just getting a bit carried away. Love the graphics, Gaz. Thank you very much for that. People are loving this. Um, and they, they, they're really thankful that you've done this work, Asa, because obviously it builds on the lobby documentary that was done by Al Jazeera. And, and so many of your um, past investigative reports that you've done on this area in the Labour Party, um, I myself have been doing some investigation, um, which has proved very, very interesting. Um, I'm just going to go through some of the comments online. Lizzie has a question. Uh, she said, didn't the Israeli spy fail to get Labour elected in Israel? I wasn't aware that Asaf Kaplan was anything to do with that. But do you have any further knowledge on that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is something I mentioned in my article. Uh, it's a good point. I mean, it, it goes to what I said uh, earlier on about how this case time hiring this guy is both a moral and a practical failure. Um he, uh, Asaf Kaplan, worked for the Israeli Labour Party um, and he was their deputy head of their election campaign uh, in, in the April 2019 elections, general elections in Israel. There was two elections in 2019, but in the April 2019 election, the, Labour, the Israeli Labour Party's vote collapsed from, um, I believe it was around 13 seats because they were a list, so it's kind of confusing. They were in an alliance with another party before that. But it collapsed under Asaf Kaplan's watch to six seats. You know, this is a, was the party of government for many years. Um, and so it shows that he didn't do his job very well. Um, and yet the British Labour Party then decided to hire him as a candidate to help them win elections. To me, that says... I mean, it's kind of funny, like, because it's like, what, what what, are you doing? This is ridiculous. This guy's not qualified to help you win elections, clearly. But there's a serious point to that, which is that um, it suggests actually that that's not really why they were hiring him. They were hiring him to, I don't know, signal, perhaps to signal how friendly they are to Israel and things like that. But it, it could be something even more insidious of, you know, it, well, what are his, does he still have an ongoing relationship with um, Israeli military intelligence? We don't know, you know. And so in that role, what is he going to be doing with the Labour Party members' data that he's clearly got access to? And what is he doing social listening on people? Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions, valid questions to be had about that. Yeah, well, we, we've had enough of Labour Party staffers giving our information over to the press. Um, let's not say any more about that and getting paid off for doing it. Angela says a big thank you to Asa and the Electronic Intifada for all the work you do to raise awareness on this. 
Uh, Karen Hudley says, heartbreaking at the way Labour have turned, left the party a few months ago and not regretted it. Cannot vote for this sham party anymore. Linda Davis says the Tories and the MSM will destroy Starmer with this treason come the next general election. That's if Starmer's obviously around by then. Um, you know, are his days numbers possibly? Uh, Jean Jones says, does anyone think we're heading for a one-party state? Um, is that the agenda by Starmer, Blair and Murdoch, do you think? What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think in many ways we already in one party state you know because we've got two you know as Noam Chomsky always put it uh two faction two different factions of one party the business party um and the Corbyn years were sort of an interruption of that um and especially on you know so-called foreign policy on that he, he he represented a threat to the British deep state that it's long-term uh, transatlantic allegiance to American empire will be challenged, you know, and that was that was really what Israel's opposition to Corbyn was down to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of in a one-party system already, in a way. Can I get your thoughts on the reports that have been out in the last couple of days that have said that the Labour Party leaks headquarter records mentioned um, have been readmitted to the party? Yeah, it's Emily really... Oldnew is back in again. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, yeah, uh, Emily Oldnew in those leaked documents was, I'm, I'm sure as a lot of viewers know, said some really disgusting things in uh, internal chats where she said she hoped that Matt Shanley would be burned alive, you know, and that she wished... She 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 texted something like, I wish I had... Which there was a petrol can emoji hoping that it, this um, young Labour, young pro-Corbyn Labour activist had been uh, burned alive. Really disgusting stuff. And this this actually, Max Shanley was the, the guy who uh, um, I mentioned before, um, who was targeted by this report by Michael Rubin, you know. So they went through some really uh, her her horrific abuse, uh, Max Shanley and James Elliott and, and several other... Um, leading left-wing activists at Oxford University at the time in 2016, um, they were really targeted by uh, these, the pro-Israel wing uh, of the Labour Party, I guess you could say. Um, and, yeah, it's disgraceful that she's been allowed back in the party, but it uh, was probably inevitable under Keir Starmer. Yeah, sadly, yeah, it was. Yvonne Bannister says, thank you for speaking out. It means a lot. Thank you to Chris and Asa, great work. Bob Walker says, hi, Asa. Do you know what happened to Jeremy Corbyn's call for an investigation into Al Jazeera's investigation, the lobby? Yeah, good question. Nothing. The answer is nothing. <laughs> like it, it didn't, nothing, it went nowhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was good that he, he put that, uh, statement out and even Emily Thornbury um, who was a supporter of Labour Friends of uh, Israel did call for an investigation but it will nowhere and the reason for that is I think is because uh, well at least part of the reason was that they issued those statements in response to the initial um, reporting of this of the film before it actually been broadcast so the initial reporting if you remember was in the mail on sunday it was the i think the day before the first episode of the series was aired and the mail on sunday as a toy newspaper focused on the, the part of the the series which showed shy massot um uh coming up with what he called a hit list against tory ministers against uh um alan duncan and uh, Crispin Blunt, who've said, you know, some critical things about Israeli settlements and they're not members of Labour, of uh, Conservative Friends of Israel. They're not members of Conservative Friends of Israel. Uh, and they're considered to be mildly critical of Israel. So they were on this hit list. And this was what was on the front page of the of the Mail on Sunday. It was a good story, you know, the Mail on Sunday doing good reporting for once. <laughs> um, and um, they uh, that was the focus. So the focus was, you know, the, Israel's influence within the Tory party. So that's what Corbyn and Thornberry were responding to. You know, they were saying, oh, well, there should be an investigation in this. 
But when the actual film was broadcast, uh, the, the, the series, um, it became very clear that the vast majority of it was actually about Shai Massot's ne- nefarious activities uh, inside the Labour Party. So, you know, they then went very silent about it. And I think that, um, that like I said, that was a missed opportunity. You know, they should have, Corbyn especially, should have said, you know, well, well we should there should have been a purge, in my view, a political purge. You know, he should have cleared out... Um, he should have cleared out all the wreckers um, in the, in the Labour Party head office and the Labour MPs, um, and things could have been very different. So yeah, it was a really missed opportunity. Yeah, definitely, I totally agree with you on that one. Lizzie asks the power behind the throne, both here and in America, do they have complete control over our governments yet? What do you think about that, Asa? Well, I I mean I don't know what's being implied really, but. Um, I think that there is, I mean, look, there's a phrase, the deep state, it does get a bit overused, but I mean, I think it does exist. You know, there is um, a broad, uh, there is a broad phenomenon called the deep state, which exists, especially, it is especially powerful in in Britain and the UK. And what is it? It's, it's simply, it's, the uh you know what eisenhower called the military industrial complex um and the the intelligence agencies um establishing a long-term um permanent control of uh, kind of managed democracy in a way i suppose you could say um that um, they have essentially a veto power on what um what government on what a, 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 a what governments can do in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to so-called foreign policy. So like, so for that reason, we saw uh, in the Corbyn years uh, at its most extreme, we saw things like uh, unnamed British army uh, generals threatening essentially a coup um, if Corbyn was ever to come to power. You know, Corbyn being summoned in by MI5 to be given uh, a facts of life, uh, uh, you know, briefing or whatever it was you know when it looked like he may it was a possibility that he may enter number 10 um so yeah i mean there is there is a deep state a lot of, a lot of countries have it you know where the um the military police intelligence um these long-term establishments they have an inordinate amount of power you know in in the u.s we saw um uh, the the CIA and especially the FBI domestically in the US um the CIA was more overseas operations but um the FBI and other intelligence agencies had something called COINTELPRO which was their counterintelligence program where so called um but actually it was targeted at the population it was targeted at the american population so starting with the communist party in the 40s and the 50s um, and later on, targeting groups like the Black Panthers, uh, the American Indian Movement, Socialist Workers' Party, a whole range of, of different um, political organizations were targeted for disinformation, for sabotage, and even for outright assassination. And we have our equivalent, we had our equivalent here um, in the spy cops, you know, the, the so-called SDS, mm-hmm. the, the um, special so-called special demonstration squad and its successors, you know, where um, undercover police officers infiltrated political groups. Um, so, yeah, these um, intelligence apparatuses are extremely powerful um, and um, they don't take threats to their hegemony lying down. Yeah, what? and of course, we've got some dodgy... Um, well, there's some questions to be asked around Starmer's involvement with the Trilateral Commission um, around his um, role as DPP and working with MI5 um, to get MI5 agents off the hook um, in torture charges. Um, Chris, did you want to follow up on that? Uh, well, no, I, w- I would, but I think we're out of time, uh, Sean. Uh, oh, that's a shame. We're up to an hour. Can I just thank Asa for a, an excellent uh, discussion this evening? It certainly prompted a lot of interest, I think, from our viewers. And we'll we'll put this out on the uh, internet, on YouTube, Facebook, etc., and various other platforms. And it tends to get a lot of further views thereafter. This is a really important debate. We'll perhaps have to return to it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching this evening.
Um, we will be back at the same time, uh, seven o'clock next Wednesday. We've got some great guests coming up in the uh, next uh, few weeks and months. Alexis Sale will be joining us. Uh, we're going to do a piece on the Craig Avon too, which is a terrible miscarriage of justice, uh, similar to what happened to the Birmingham Six and and uh, Guildford Four. And uh, Mohammed Al Mazi will be joining us at some point too. Talk about the growth of fascism and, and and what can we do? How to spot it? How do we respond to it? How do we uh, prevent it and and uh, push back against it? So thanks again for watching this evening. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us next week. And good night.